Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Democrats wasted no time making sure Georgians knew about what they call the Inflation Reduction Act. Yesterday I was in four cities across the state briefing seniors on the new $35 per month cap on insulin. That's Georgia Senator John Ossoff touting his colleague Raphael Warnock's efforts to get an insulin cap into the law. Really significant achievement and it's one component of the bill that I'm making sure folks are aware of. Other components of the law deal with climate change, an issue important especially to young voters. The Inflation Reduction Act, that all happens because of young voters in our state. Georgia Tech student Mark Putnam is referring to the runoff elections in 2021 that saw two Democrats elected from Georgia tipping the power in the U.S. Senate. In reaction to the law signing, Republican Governor Brian Kemp tweeted out an ad about inflation. Today, hardworking Georgians are faced with the Democratic-controlled Washington, D.C. that is hell-bent on driving 40-year high inflation even higher. Will any bounce from the climate and health bill come in time to help Georgia Democrats in November? I'm Susanna Capaluto, politics editor at WABE. I'm Emma Hurt with Axios Atlanta. I'm Raul Bally, a politics reporter with WABE. I'm Sam Greenglass, politics reporter at WABE, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast about the Georgia midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote it's a duty. because I want to make an and impact. I vote my because I want leaders who care about Voting my future. Voting is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. Hey, it's great seeing everyone in person. And I brought donuts, so I hope you all help yourselves. So we should have enough energy here today. Always um, keep always looking out for us, Susanna. I, I, I'm two donuts in already. <laughs> uh, the first thing I ate when I got back from the Rudy Giuliani steakhouse donut at four o'clock. So <laughs> I, that's uh, how yesterday went. So this is what you <laughs> eat now. That's how the day went. You just eat donuts now. Yeah. So let's stay with the Inflation Reduction Act. Democrats plan a big splash around the law next month. So we'll probably see more stories like John Ossoff meeting with the seniors. There will be press conferences maybe in front of electric cars or something. What do y'all expect we'll see in Georgia next month? I think you're right. I mean, this is a this is something that has been, as we know, a long time in the works. It's not at all the scale that was originally proposed by President Biden, but it's still a victory for Democrats, and they are not going to let voters forget about it. And it's a big deal. Policy-wise, it's a big deal. Politically, it's a big deal, too. Yeah, I mean, I think Democrats are going to want to get as much mileage, excuse the pun, out of these wins as they can. Because, you know, after months and months of us talking to voters about Biden's stalled agenda in Congress, you know, this is a moment where unified Democratic control in Washington has finally delivered a string of victories for the party in power. 
But none of that will matter at all if voters don't know about these wins. Uh, Warnock will try and lean into his office to help show an incumbent getting stuff done, not just talking about plans. The question I have, this is named the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, We know economists are saying it might be slightly deflationary, but over a longer period of time. A question is, will it be enough to show that Democrats are actually moving the inflation issue in the months before the midterms? And the other interesting thing is the, the, the perception is reality issue is, is you pass this legislation while we're starting to see gas prices come down, while we're seeing inflation tick down a little, whether they're actually connected or not before you know voters go to the polls, probably not likely, but what do voters think when they go to when they go to the polls knowing that this is passed and and seeing things maybe improving by the time they vote and i think here in georgia also it's just another reminder of the senate runoffs and warnock and ossoff's 49th and 50th democratic votes in the senate enabled this very razor thin uh majority to exist and to pass a bill like this so for for the georgians it's another spotlight that's why people on twitter always thank a georgia voter what? I mean, I see that all the time when something 50-50 happens. Thank you, Georgia voter. I went to a Warnock campaign event this week. He kept saying, you know, thank you for electing me. And someone kept saying, you're welcome. Happened <laughs> 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 like four times. Let's move on. A lot of politics reporting this week it has not really been around the campaigns, but about the politics between Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and various Republican politicians who are asked to testify before that special grand jury that's investigating whether Trump and his allies tried to influence Georgia's 2020 election results. And we've seen people fight subpoenas, come to the courthouse. Sam, you spent a day there on Wednesday. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, We spent many, many hours waiting for Rudy Giuliani. Uh, That's Trump's one-time campaign lawyer who came to Georgia in 2020 spreading false claims about widespread election fraud. Uh, Giuliani was inside the Fulton County Courthouse for over five hours, I think was my final count. Uh, Reporters were waiting anxiously on the steps that whole time, hoping he would come out and talk to them afterwards. Because honestly, most of what we know about what's happening behind closed doors in this investigation is through these little drips that come out as subpoenas are fought in the courts or when we get a little glimmer of information from lawyers from people who have actually appeared in front of the special grand jury. Uh, In the end, Giuliani slipped out through a secure parking garage without comment. The AP did catch up with him at JFK Airport in New York City on his way back from testifying in Georgia. While he didn't say much, he did say that District Attorney Bonnie Willis had told him he had completed the obligations of his subpoena. Uh, All of this matters because we learned this week that Giuliani has been told he is a target of Fulton County's criminal investigation and because he had fought really hard not to appear in person in front of this special grand jury, uh, citing health issues and a doctor's order not to fly. A judge here in Atlanta ordered him to get here somehow, whether that was by Uber, bus, on foot. However, in the end, it does look like he hopped that flight. And Giuliani's appearance tells us the grand jury is reaching deep into Trump's inner circle. What we don't know is whether Giuliani pleaded the fifth and didn't answer the questions of this special grand jury, or he did indeed testify and share information about his activities after the 2020 election. 
So Sam mentions, you know, we get little drips and drabs. We got a very, very big drip from the governor of Georgia uh, and his lawyers filing more than 100 pages with the Fulton County Court. And we had reporting that the governor appeared via recorded statement back in July. But we could never actually say that happened because even on background, we hadn't heard whether he actually did do that testimony. Well, we had this big filing and found that that actually didn't happen. And then there was a subpoena from um, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, and now the governor is fighting it. There's a lot of information. There are a lot of back and forth. You know, the, the governor's people are saying, look, the, the district attorney's office engineered this testimony to happen in the middle of an election cycle. And they're basically saying, let's have the governor testify, but after the November elections. And I think what was so remarkable about this dump we got of a filing from Kemp's lawyers is that we see that Governor Kemp, who, as we know, famously rejected Trump's efforts to overturn the election, you would assume he's probably safe in this investigation. This is going to be a no drama section. We expect, you know, people who are targets or people who might not want to speak to fight their subpoenas like Rudy Giuliani, for example. But Brian Kemp, no. But this what we see is how politics seems to have seeped in even to this kind of interaction, which otherwise we would assume would have gone smoothly. And we can see in this filing that it's not just gone off the rails, it's gone far off the rails with the tone that the DA is using with Kemp's attorneys and vice versa. Kemp's attorneys saying that this is politically motivated, that an investigation about election interference has become something that is interfering with another election, Kemp's own reelection in 2022. And DA Willis saying, you know, you have mistaken my kindness for weakness. And now, you know, all gloves are off and there's going to be no video recorded testimony. So we learned a lot here. This is a lot of drama that perhaps seems like a sideshow when you look at what this investigation is really looking into because of what we know Governor Kemp has done. It's an indicator of how the politics can't be separated. Yeah, just to pick up on Emma's point, uh, when I was profiling Fonnie Willis a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, a few attorneys made that same point that on the one hand, yes, a district attorney is following the letter of the law and deciding that no one is above the law and wanting to pursue an investigation of potentially great significance, but also district attorneys are elected. And so it is impossible to disentangle the two hats that county prosecutors wear, especially in an investigation where the stakes are as high as this one. And at the end of the day, it will be the decision of one person whether to pursue charges in this case with potentially huge implications, both for Georgia and for the whole country. And from Republicans' perspective, this is one person who has fundraised for Democratic candidates and has been openly active in Democratic politics. And so the optics there, no matter how many times D.A. Willis says this is not a politically motivated investigation, there are, there are possible crimes here that we're looking into. You can't separate them. And there are a few more subpoena fights ahead. So many questions still to be answered, and we will stay on this story. We'll try our best to get it to you. Well, let's move on to the campaign trail. Emma, you spent some time in South Georgia with Georgia's two senators. What was that like? You know, it was a real big throwback because while in Washington, you know, you see senators all together all the time, we don't see senators Ossoff and Warnock together in Georgia very much at all, especially if you think about how we used to see them together every day of the Senate runoffs because they were campaigning together constantly. So that was kind of wild. They were both at Warner Robins Air Force Base with Senate Armed Services 
committee chair Jack Reed trying to just highlight the importance of Warner Robins in the portfolio nationwide. But I also saw Senator Warnock there kick off a campaign bus tour right after that. And so you have the official side, the power of the incumbency there on display for Senator Warnock and the campaign really starting to get underway. And his message was interesting because you you hear him say, you know, two years ago I came and asked you to hire me for a job and I didn't really know what the job was going to be like, but now I do. And now I can tell you that I'm doing it and here's my case for why and, you know, hire me again. And so it's very clear that for Warnock, this is the beginning of his hitting the campaign trail, I think. And so we're going to hear a lot more from him as he gets back out in the state. I think it's also interesting to note that this bus tour kicked off not here in Atlanta or Metro Atlanta even, but in middle Georgia. And it's a reminder that Democrats have to place a priority on turning out voters outside of Metro Atlanta, the place that we traditionally think of the bastion of Democratic votes, in order to make those really thin margins that's needed for a victory here in Georgia even smaller and push over the finish line. Let's take a break. I'm Susanna Capaluto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022 with Raul, Emma, and Sam. Raul, you've been watching the race for attorney general. Does the spotlight on this campaign feel different than past cycles you've covered? It does. The attorney general's race this year only got a little bit of attention during the primaries. You had incumbent Republican Chris Carr easily fend off a challenge from a candidate backed by former President Donald Trump. On the Democratic side, State Senator Jen Jordan, who's an attorney and has served in office for the past couple of years, she was able to get through her primary very easily. She's had some legislative speeches that got uh, social media traction, probably the, the one that that I remember the most uh, covering the legislature. It was in 2019 during the debate for Georgia's now abortion law. And she talked about her experience. She had seven failed pregnancies. So it was it was one of those speeches you just you remember. Again, some attention around this race, but then Roe v. Wade happened. And now there's a lot more attention on this race. I caught up with Jen Jordan. Uh, at a local Democratic Party meeting. She she talked about t- the 2019 abortion law. And let me set the scene. This was in the evening at a daycare center in the backyard. And the vast majority, there were about 40 to 50 people, the vast majority were women. At that point in time, I realized that for a lot of people that were serving on the other side, they just saw it as a team thing, right? It was just a win or a loss for them. And they weren't thinking about people or women as human beings. They weren't, ta- they weren't even talking to the women in the chamber about what are the impacts of this, like in any real way. They even wouldn't even take questions on the floor. I mean, that's pretty pathetic, right? You are the men of the Republican Party in control in the Senate, and you won't even be questioned by a woman. That's a problem, right? And then right after her speech, I talked a little more about the idea of what she would do if Georgia's law, abortion law was still being challenged. 
If an attorney general believes that a law is unconstitutional, you know, especially at the state constitution level, and that, you know, the impact is going to harm the people of the state, and specifically here with 481, there's so many unanswered questions, right? Like when you have doctors telling patients they have to go call the lawyer before they can make a treatment decision, clearly no one knows what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to do it. And, and, and those are the types of situations that you really do need to have a court intervene. And so, you know, if I were attorney general, I would have filed a challenge, much like what's already been filed by private litigants. But what's good for us is that private litigants have already done that. So my guess is specifically with respect to 481, that issue will be taken care of um, before I take office. Back to the Republican incumbent, I caught up with Chris Carr at the Festival of India, and I asked him the same issue. And, and the attorney general pushed back really hard with his answer. The laws of the state are the laws of the state. Your job as the attorney general is to enforce the laws that are duly passed by the legislature and signed by the governor. Again, if you don't like the law, that's fine. But there is a process to change the law. That is through the legislative process. And again, run for the legislature, but don't run for district attorney and don't run for attorney general because saying you are going to preemptively not enforce categories of laws, that's a policy decision. That's not prosecutorial discretion, and it's a, it is a dereliction of duty. I, I do want to wrap up by talking about the libertarian that's in this race. That's Martin Cowan, who's been a criminal law and a family law attorney. His slogan, by the way, is, is don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. That's actually his slogan on his website. On the issue of abortion, Cowan says he does support what was Roe v. Wade. Again, the reason I mention this is in the state of Georgia, we are a 50 percent plus one state. That's why I always feel like it's important to mention the libertarian that's in the race. Always important to remember the libertarian because most of our statewide races do have third party candidates, which means that if things are close and nobody gets more than 50 percent, we're going to have a runoff. And the important thing about the runoffs in Georgia was what was changed by SB202. We went from nine-week runoffs to four-week runoffs. And, and when we had our runoff elections in May and June, it felt so fast. There goes your Thanksgiving holiday. Emma, you polled GOP candidates for office on one issue this week, same-sex marriage. Now, we think of this as a settled issue since the landmark U.S. Supreme Court case in 2015. But in the recent ruling overturning the federal right to abortion, Justice Clarence Thomas implied that decision could call into question other rights, like same-sex marriage, potentially putting this issue back to the states. What did you learn? The reason why I asked candidates about this is because we know that the LGBTQ community is watching it closely, given how Roe v. Wade was reversed and the effects that that has had. But if this issue comes back to the states, Georgia has a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage on the books, prohibiting any form of civil union, domestic partnership, anything. And so that would be a very big change for Americans and for Georgians. And what I found in asking the Republican candidates in particular is that there's division. It's not, um, you know, 20 years ago, I think you could largely assume that a Republican might be against it. But now that's not the case. We see that federally and we're seeing that in Georgia. Herschel Walker, the Senate candidate, I will say, did not answer my questions about this. He wouldn't acknowledge what his position is, even though that is a bill that senators very well may likely have to vote on this fall. Uh, Governor Kemp, told me that his personal position is that marriage is between a man and a woman, but pushed back on the idea that this would 
be something that the states would have to deal with. That you know, no one's talking about this except Clarence Thomas, is what he said to me. Um, Lieutenant Governor candidate Burt Jones, however, said he has no problem with same-sex marriage, and that if this was an issue that came back to the states, he would support repealing the state's constitutional ban on same-sex marriage. So a mixed bag among Republicans in, in Georgia and across the country right now. Before we go, what do you think you'll be doing this coming week? What else but reading more court filings from the Fulton DA investigation? <laughs> Can't wait. All I right. think I have at least one political barbecue that I'm going to. Oh. So. It's the season. Well, thank you all for being here today in person. Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE Politics Desk. Our producer is Kevin Rinker. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. Make sure to check out our other WABE podcasts, including Political Breakfast with Lisa Ram and TechCast with Neil Moffat. I'm Susanna Capaluto. See you next week. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on the ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.